Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast, episode 126. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Happy Thanksgiving week as well to all of our listeners out there, Mac. We have a lot of football to get to, but I know you you love Thanksgiving, as we all do. So you're excited for this week. I am ecstatic for this week, KG. We will be in Sumter, South Carolina. We've got three birds on the menu, two of which... <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll be smoked on the Traeger for about three of hours course. and some change. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's going to be unbelievable. And then one will be fried. Uh, so really cannot wait for that. We're, we're going to have a couple of my dad's uh, squadron over, maybe a couple other of our military members, and you know have a big hodgepodge of, of family over there. So really excited for that and, and to have a good time. You're, uh, you're taking your talents out west, right? <laughs> out west, yes. Going to Texas for to Thanksgiving. To the great country of Texas. Yes, very excited to ditch some of these jackets. It's been so cold down here in the southeast. It's been freezing. Mac, I love that you have three birds. Um, that's yeah. classic. And you said Khaki's already going to pick them up early in the week. You got to get that's out ahead right. of it. That's right. Obviously. I mean, we went Where's so the... we went shopping today, KG, and probably mm-hmm. got 75% of our uh, our stuff done. So the the birds clearly left, so that's about 20%. And then the remaining five, you know, you, you figured out on Wednesday night, maybe Thursday mm-hmm. morning. Where's the ham? Uh, that's it. You're, we, we do not, we do not do ham here. And, uh, I'm still shocked about that. To I be love quite ham. Um, still shocked. Turkey. Look, I'm sure your turkeys, you're cooking them on the Traeger. You're, you're frying up one of them. So it's gotta be great. But I'm telling, I'm telling you, if you would have one of these, it would change your life. Mac, you would I mean, never go. You never go back to ham. Did my ever. invite get lost in the mail? <laughs> I sent it to Texas, so you'll get it when you when you get there. And then imagine come back. a you live Gramlick and McLean from the McLean Thanksgiving table, and we're just talking football as we stuff our faces with these turkeys. It would be beautiful. It would be. It would be beautiful. All right, so so hit me with this real quick: um, sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? That's not even close. Pumpkin pie, one thousand percent. Oh, one thousand no, percent. And I no, love sweet potatoes. No. I want like a sweet potato casserole for the for the meal or just sweet potatoes but no i need pumpkin pie and for me and why why is that? i grew up in pumpkin pie that? i just Dive love it pumpkin pie it's the i love pumpkin stuff you know pumpkin cookies any of that stuff maybe a, a psl a pumpkin spice latte every once in a while but <laughs> for me it's a pumpkin pie versus a pecan pie that's the real showdown and pecan pie mm. you got to put a little little whipped cream on there same thing with pumpkin I think I would still pick pumpkin, but you're a sweet potato pie guy. All the way. I mean, there, there's nothing in this world I would rather have at Thanksgiving than a sweet potato I pie. I feel a poll it's coming just, on. It's per- I do, too. I do, too. And I think the people will settle this. I think they'll be in my favor. I Ooh, do. I disagree. I <laughs> so we shall see. Uh, keep an eye on the on the Twitter for that. We'll probably get that out there. All right, Mac, we have a lot of games to break down, and I want to give you the credit you deserve because you went three and O in our seaside grown fresh picks of the week. I went one and two. So that was not as good as three and O you <laughs> picked Clemson. You picked Miami. I picked Virginia tech just because I thought it'd be crazy. And it kind of was a crazy game. And I picked wake 
because I thought Wake was going to win. And um, yes, to all of the particularly older ladies tweeting at me that <laughs> I'm a disgrace and to go eat crow and go apologize to all of Clemson's players. I'm not going to do that, but I was wrong. And so let's just start with that game, Mac. Clemson beats Wake Forest 48 to 27. Clemson's starting to look like Clemson again. And Wake could not play offense, could not run the offense that they wanted to run. Clemson blew it up from the beginning with um, those D tackles and the ends and what they were doing. And just, it gave me, remember the Titans vibes, you will blitz all night. That's what it felt like in the first quarter, especially. What were your big takeaways from this game, Mac? Yeah, really, just it starts with that defense. Uh, I mean, those guys absolutely getting after it. Eight sacks on the day. Uh, if you guys remember, if you've heard throughout the media today, one one of those sacks was re-registered tonight uh, to give Clemson that eight-piece. Uh, it, it was on the Nolan Turner tackle for loss that they changed to a sack. But really just that that defensive line being able to push the line of scrimmage backwards. We talked about it extensively on this podcast. I brought it up a million times on Packer and Durham. And then, of course, Saturday on the huddle, we did an entire tape on it and said, guys, this is what you're going to see. I'm, I'm confident you know, that this defensive line is, is going to be able to do that. Uh, maybe not this effectively. Maybe I didn't think they'd be able to do it this well. Um, but it was impressive to see all night long. And, and a guy in Trenton Simpson right now just playing out of his mind. Nine total tackles, a sack, and a tackle and a half for loss. He, he's just playing very effective and, and very well. So when you look at that defense, those guys were eating all night long. Sam Hartman had no time to process, to, to go through his reads, to think about you know what to do next uh, just because of that plan of attack that, that Clemson was able to do. And then probably the more impressive part of this entire thing, KG, is the Clemson offense. And, and we were you know kind of going back and forth. What do you want to do? Do you want to run the ball, understanding that it is such a weakness of Wake Forest to stop that? Or do you kind of try to build on what you've been doing? And they did both, which was really impressive to see. It was great to see the running attack uh, be as effective as it was. 333 rushing yards. Kobe Pace, Will Shipley just looked fantastic. And really what we've probably expected from them all year long in terms of production and, and home run ability uh, from each. And then great to see Bo Collins for the third straight game just really take off and, and be a very impactful player. I knew the history between Clemson and Wake. I know that Brent Venables has dominated this offense, has dominated the slow mesh and, and kind of the triple option attack that Wake runs. But I thought this Wake offense was different just because they had scored 35 in every game. They, they were clicking on all cylinders, these wide receivers. And look, A.T. Perry still had a great game. And Ja'Cory Roberson, they still made plays. But it was the beginning where Clemson set the tone and Hartman, he still passed for 300 yards, but he just didn't have time. He had no time to settle into the game and to find his guys early on and Clemson built that lead. And the other thing that was huge is that Wake couldn't run the ball at all. The slow mesh where you wait, 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 and then you hand the ball off, you keep the ball in the belly of the running back, that did not work. So Brenton Venables was all over this and I, I don't know. I, I think that Wake sc or Clemson scoring 48 was definitely surprising. But how inept Wake looked, especially in the first half, that may have surprised me more. Yeah, and, and honestly, Kelly, I, I think that if you just look at the stats and you look at the score, it wasn't as dominant or it doesn't look as dominant as it actually was. Like Clemson 
was killing these guys. And, yeah, and, the game was over in the third yeah, quarter. By yeah, yeah, and, and even if you know that punt is, is returned and actually you know a touchdown instead of you know Will Brown, you know, kind of just uh, I'm I'm a barely wave here, and, and of course everyone knows yeah, that, that, yeah. that is a fair any motion is a fair catch, but everything just seeming to go the Tigers' way. Uh, just a, a really impressive battle and uh, game plan by you know Coach Venables, just time and time again having this Wake Forest number. You know what else it made me think? It made me think about NC State, and it made me wonder how they did not run the ball 40 times. I mean, they went away from the run so quickly, and I know they've struggled to run the ball, and I'm not trying to make this a heap on NC State thing because they still have a chance to win the Atlantic. But no matter who you are, when you play Wake, even if it's not your first instinct to run the ball, even if you are uh, mainly a pass-first team, you have to run the ball. Yes. Because they can't stop you. And and that's what we got to look at at Wake Boston College. It's going to be interesting because BC wants to throw it, but they have Garwo and, and they have to be able to run it. Clemson could not be stopped on the ground. Shipley played great, but Kobe Pace as well. 24 carries for 191. They had two guys with over 100 yards. Wake's rush defense, it, it really it let them down. It, it was the Achilles heel yet again. Which we saw earlier this year against North Carolina as well. So in both of their losses – uh, teams running the ball at will uh, that that can and that did. And so, as you said, I'm really excited to break down that game on Friday. Uh, you know, of course, between Wake Forest, who would travel to Boston College, uh, because I think BC is is going to be looking at that tape and saying, we can do these things. We, we can do, you know, hmm. what Clemson did here. So we'll get to that more uh, on Friday, KG. Let's talk about the Clemson offense for a second here. And yes, we will, because Wake, look, they still control their destiny. Clemson does not. They need other things to happen. DJU looked a lot better. I thought what was most impressive about his performance was the uh, yards per attempt numbers. We've never seen him do this this year. Ten yards per attempt, basically. That That's a whole different ball game with what we've seen from this Clemson offense. And I think a lot of that is the emergence of Bo Collins. They seem to have a legitimate connection, and Bo Collins has been – a really surefire target for him. So if that continues, if I don't, I think at this point with the running game and the defense, all Clemson really needs from DJ is about 200, 215 yards, but you need to have more yards per attempt. You need to be more efficient and effective per pass. And that's what we saw from Clemson against Wake. And what's interesting enough with that is, is that, you know, we kind of talked about Kelly, if you remember earlier this season, just saying, man, with all this lack of chemistry, you have to think that there's something with, Bo Collins, and now finally getting that shot, they they have so much chemistry. I mean, he knows what Bo's going to do. Bo knows how he's going to throw it, and, and you know it, it's proven absolutely correct in these last three games. And so it does kind of make you think, what if just a little bit? Uh, but I, I certainly think that DJ has gotten marginally better each and every game, and now we're seeing a little bit more accuracy. We're seeing the ball pushed down the field. Still some silly plays that make you cringe a little bit, uh, but but certainly growth in that department on the offensive side. And he looked less injured than I thought he was going to look with the sprained PCL. And then, of course, you have the finger injury as well. But it didn't seem to bother him. He had that play where he was able to avoid, shake off two different defenders and make that crazy throw to Bo Collins. That play told me, all right, he's fine. I mean, he's not feeling 100%, but (laughs) he's not gimpy out there where he can't be effective. And I think that's what, for people watching they're just like man that's the play that's that's the ability that you know with all the bad yeah. and all the inconsistent that you have seen 
that's the stuff that only he can do. That, that's the stuff that only DJ Uyunglele is able to do and that he has in his arsenal to, to be able to break a couple of tackles and then flick the ball 50 yards downfield uh, you know, on his back foot. It, it's just it's crazy to see the talent. All right, let's get to the next game in our big three breakdown here, Mac. Pittsburgh defeats Virginia 48-38, to and they clinch. They are Coastal Division champions. I can't remember the last time the Coastal was decided before the Atlantic. That is a <laughs> weird world to be in. And these two QBs duked it out. Kenny Pickett passed for 340 and four touchdowns, two picks. Brennan Armstrong's 487, three touchdowns and a pick. Overall, Pittsburgh could run it and Virginia couldn't. I thought that was a huge difference. But it was good to see Brennan Armstrong out there taking hits, probably in the body cast right now, getting ready for next week. Pretty unbelievable that he was able to go out there and gut it out and do what he did. It was so fun, guys, to watch this battle, to watch this matchup really pretty close to what I think we projected, what we thought would happen uh, if both of these quarterbacks were healthy and ready to go. So, so happy that that it absolutely delivered. And you know, I'll start with with Virginia and, and just to see the you know moxie and grit from Brennan Armstrong to to be able to take hits, to be able to take a couple of sacks, run the ball uh, a little bit, although it not very successfully, but just a warrior. And, and when his team needs him the most to step in there to go for nearly 500 yards and throw three touchdowns, he's just so fun to watch. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, I'm sure he will come back. I guess we can't say that because he certainly could leave, but I hope he comes back. And, man, to think about what this offense can really just look like with another year of ownership under his belt, it's an exciting future for Virginia. I think there certainly needs to be balance. I think you know, really what you said there about Pitt being able to run the ball when they need it and Virginia not being able to at all to solely rely on on one side and, and his ability to – to pass the ball is something that they have to continue to work on. And then just the defense. I mean, I mean, this defense has been so bad for two years now, whether it's scheme, whether it's personnel, something is going to have to be adjusted to where they can figure it out and, and try to find some sort of strength that you can rely upon because the pass rush is, is not really existent. Now they did have three sacks here against Pitt, but that's not really their strong suit. And then, you know, defending the run and defending the pass hasn't, it really been great all year. So need to see some continued improvement from that side of the ball for Virginia going into 22. It's really not fair to Brennan Armstrong to make him play with this kind of defense. What he could do with a different team that actually could put up a fight defensively would right. be special. Right. Now, he's got some weapons. Uh, Dontavian Wicks looked really good. He was impressive. And uh, Keetion Thompson, of course, got it done. I want to ask you this because I feel like there's kind of this consensus. People love to say, oh, Josh Downs, best wide receiver in the league. Why don't people say Jordan Addison, best wide receiver in the league? I feel like he doesn't get as much respect as perhaps he deserves. Am I with, are you with me on that? I completely agree. Yeah, I, I am because I think he is the best receiver in the league. I don't think there's any question. I ask, you know, folks all the time, you know, Downs or Addison, Downs or Addison. True, and what true. also is interesting, why is nobody saying Wicks? Why is nobody saying A.T. Perry? So the, the league is loaded. What is going to suck is that at the end of the year, one of these fine athletes is going to be left off of first team, crazy. which I think is is barbaric that we don't have four wide receivers as the first team. Yeah, and two all backs. ACC. I mean, how many? How many? Te- why are we doing two backs? Who, who's running with two backs? Nobody. 
Is is there somebody more deserving over one of these receivers? Absolutely not. So maybe an AP, maybe an AP uh, selection we can get in there. But honestly, if they're not selecting Jameer Gibbs as the AP, I mean, I don't know what the heck you're doing. So we might have three running backs on the first team All-ACC, Kelly, which is just, it's nuts. It's crazy to think about. To pick between Addison, Downs, Perry, and Wicks, and you have to leave one of those guys off. That's not fair. And then there's other great wide receivers in the league, too, when you look at... Mecca Mezzi. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. The guys at Clint, NC State. Justin Ross of what he's done. I mean, it's... Zay it's Flowers. Loaded. Right. It's not fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. Well, What's anyway. my, Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great wide receivers <laughs> in this league. It's it's actually a shame that, that we don't have enough spots to celebrate all these guys. I know how you feel on this, Mac, but... Do you feel like the nation is coming to understand? And do you feel like it's even a question if Kenny Pickett should be in New York for the Heisman ceremony? You know what, Kelly? There is going to be, I think, a ton of recent bias in this thing. Because you just saw Bryce Young throw for 500-something yards. You just saw C.J. Stroud from Ohio State throw for a billion touchdowns in a half. I just think that people are going to see these crazy, gaudy numbers and be like, oh, they're more deserving. When Kenny has this unbelievable body of work, I I don't know. It's going to be very intriguing to see. I don't think there's any question, but just knowing how this award has worked at times, how, you know, people fall in love with various, you know, players for various reasons, it's going to be very interesting to see. And then all the right various institutions uh and, and then the defensive guys that that could slide in there i mean anderson from alabama uh basically a, a a war daddy on the edge can come off and you know really just pressure any quarterback in any situation uh big jordan davis down at georgia i mean it, it is going to be intriguing to see who these finalists are and who's going to go to uh to new york new york for the yes. heisman trophy it's a very stacked year and it's really fun because there isn't a favorite right now. So it will be interesting. We might actually have a Heisman with some intrigue where you don't know who is going to win. But Kenny Pagan needs to be there. And I think in order to help himself, they can't lose to Syracuse. I don't think they will, but they can't. You can't have a letdown next week. You have to have all that momentum heading into the Heisman ceremony. Let's get to our final game of our big three here, Mac. Miami and Virginia Tech, a rivalry. These two don't like each other. Miami wins 38-26. to 26. It was raining in South Beach. It, it reminded me a little bit of the Pittsburgh-UNC rain where it was just kind of sloppy. And Miami got it done. Tyler Van Dyke continues to ball out. Just 300 yards, three tutties. Like, he's going to give you that every single night. And Miami becomes bowl eligible. Is it enough to save Manny Diaz? That's a whole other story. VT was able to run it, but in the end, the quarterback play hurt them down the stretch. It, it, it's really crazy, Kelly, to me, to all the chatter, all the noise, all the whispers that I'm hearing about this Miami job. And, and I don't. I think it would be very foolish to get rid of Manny Diaz to fire Manny Diaz. I think that he can certainly sell the future. And if you, you know, get rid of him, you're getting rid of Lashley potentially. You're losing a lot of momentum going into 22. I, I think that would be so foolish, especially with. You know, this young core uh, of Van Dyke, Knighton, uh, and, and Smith at, at wide receiver. So I don't think you want to mess with that and, and try to make a coaching change. But it, I'm, it's out there. I'm hearing a ton about it. I'm seeing a ton about it on Twitter. Uh, but looking at this game specifically, Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, in a absolute hurricane, little punny there, uh, throwing for nearly 400 yards, 
absolute control of the ball, delivering strikes, great play calling. I mean, we had some you know play design where we have Smith coming out of the background or the backfield, running a rail route. He's a wide receiver lined up at running back and just wide open. I mean, it, it was a fantastic design, something that you don't really see people do to the field as much. And uh, it, it was lovely to see that. And then defensively, you know, for these guys to turn it up a little bit when they need it to make things happen, uh, to, to get some, you know, turnovers here or there, it's just what you expect from Miami. It's what you expect them to do, what you expect them to see. Virginia Tech, you know, quarterback play has been what it is. It, it's been consistent, not consistent, up and down. You don't really know what to expect from a game-to-game basis. Now, accuracy wasn't necessarily a problem. 14 of 17, but really just dinks and dumps and, and nothing that was really you know pushing the ball downfield and making big-time plays happen. And then, of course, as you said, able to run the ball, which helps. But when you get down and you need to throw it and you can't, you get hurt pretty bad. Mm-hmm. This was the rare example of the more balanced team didn't win the game. I always talk about that in college football. If you're balanced, you're probably going to win. Virginia Tech ran for 220-plus, and they only passed for 150. But they're – they just have not been able to pass the ball. Like, it's not a threat. The defense does not have to respect it. And that's what you've had with Burmeister. And, and that's really why I think Fuente was fired, for a variety of reasons, recruiting and all these types of things. But he's known as a quarterback whisperer. And the quarterback play over the last couple of years has just been bad at Virginia Tech. And when you're known for something and your teams can't do it, that's a real problem, kind of like with Dan Mullen down at Florida or Muschamp being a defensive guy and his defenses are terrible at the end at South Carolina. That's going to be the final nail in the coffin, and I think that's the, one of the biggest issues for Virginia Tech over the last couple of years. I completely agree with you. And then looking on the other side, just the, the defense of VT and, and expecting that you know defensive backfield to really be able to make some plays and to limit and contain Miami and not let them – you know, pass the ball over the yard, and they they could, and almost made it look easy. They got no pressure, they got no sacks in the game, and and on the complete other hand, you know, Miami with four sacks and ten tackles for loss. I mean, these guys were getting after it, making plays in the backfield, and just really impressive to see. Quite frankly, at the end of the day, so as you mentioned, KG, the Coastal Division is wrapped up. Pittsburgh is in Charlotte waiting, sitting there. Who's coming? Who's coming Mm. next? Uh, But just like you said, who would have thought out of all the craziness and how we got to where we did, I I think there was one person, right? One person picked Pittsburgh. You know who it was? It was our guy, Josh. Josh Graham. (laughs) And I remember it vividly. He came over to my radio show when we were up there in Charlotte. He He comes over, he comes on for a couple minutes and he goes, guys, I picked Pittsburgh and I feel great about it. And he was dead on. He was the only one. The only thing that I need to know is, Josh, did you go to Vegas and pick him? Because if you did, (laughs) he should cashing out, big dog. (laughs) Exactly. He well, next year he's probably going to do it now, and then he's probably going to get around. Josh, Josh, who did you pick? That's who we're going with. He's going to be a minor celebrity at ACC kickoff next year. That's right, for sure. And he should be absolutely milk this for all it's worth. No doubt about it, Mac. Okay, before we get to the speed round and run through the rest of these games. Are you prepared right here on November 21st, as we're recording this for coming out tomorrow, are you prepared to tell me who you think is going to win the Atlantic? Or do you want to yeah. keep that well, close to the best? Okay. Maybe I'll tell you. Can I tell you Friday? Ooh, okay. Yes, you may. Because I'll tell you Friday because that helps me with kind of laying out the games and what okay. I think is going to happen. All right. I feel like I... I mean, y'all can guess. Y'all can guess. <laughs> I feel like I know who I think is going to win. 
There you go. And I can't wait, don't can't wait to see you wrong and me right again, Kelly. It's the same team that you have. We'll discuss on Friday. Uh oh. We'll get to it. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Can before we go into like our super speed round, can we talk about how Malik Cunningham just scored another rushing touchdown? Well, we're going to talk about it with Louisville Duke <laughs> as we recap this game. Mac, this is okay. Normal. We're not super Vegasy people, but you know we like to. Uh, to dip our toes into that discussion. That's right. I have a KG guarantee lock. Put all your money on this, okay? And this is not, you know, this is not rocket science. I feel like everyone would agree with me, but I'm just saying it. We are in a realm right now. It's hashtag fade Duke. <laughs> fade Duke. I That's think you, you. I have think have you've do. been saying this since uh, week three. I, have. I think week three is when it started. They've given up. They've given up. When UVA can blank you, it's over. You got a problem, man. When UVA's defense can shut you out, you got a problem. That's when I knew. That was the moment. Mm. That was. That's a Taylor song, by the way. That was the moment I knew. So after that, they have. I'm pretty sure they have not covered since the Virginia game. Duke plays Miami this Saturday, twelve thirty. Fade Duke. You're welcome. You'll win a bunch of money, and then you can buy people all sorts of Christmas presents. Kelly, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you were looking at this game, and I told you Duke would have a quarterback who was 13 of 13, did not miss a pass, they completed (laughs) and executed at a very high level a fake punt and converted. (laughs) They blocked blocked a punt, and they were in enemy territory like 8 to 12 times. Would you say they lost by 40, or would you say they won? I would say fade Duke. <laughs> so I would say they lost by this spread was 20 because I gave out Louisville minus 20. I would say they lost by 21 or more. <laughs> there you go. And they did that very impressively. And Malik Cunningham, like I said, is still running an unbelievable performance by him. 528. I'm doing quick math here. 27 yards with seven touch. I mean, just, it was freaky Absurd. to watch KG. It, it honestly, it looked like he was playing a video game and his settings were on all American and Duke's settings were on middle school, sixth grade team. And yeah, they couldn't yeah. tackle him. They were way slower than him. It, it was, it was bizarre to see the ease <laughs> that he was playing football out there. It was. And his numbers are ridiculous. You, over 300 yards passing, over 200 rushing. People don't do that. Lamar Jackson doesn't do that. Like, that's just a different level for Malik Cunningham. And Louisville's bowl eligible with that win. And they have Kentucky. This is a huge weekend this weekend. You always, if you're an ACC, if you follow ACC football, you always look at Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, Georgia, Georgia Tech, but probably not this year. No, the you other skip three. That one. <laughs> yeah, you skip that one this year. But the other three. You always have your eyes on those games. And so Louisville's already bowl eligible, so they lose that desperation factor. But Kentucky has fallen off a cliff. So I think it is a winnable game for Louisville. And uh, good luck tackling Malik Cunningham. That's right. I cannot wait to watch it. It's going to be so much fun to see. KG, we mentioned we're in the speed round. I want to get your thoughts on Florida State, Boston College, because Jordan Travis has looked like a different guy these last couple of weeks. Really the ownership of the offense. And I think, honestly, KG, the, the trust that the Florida State offensive coordinator and, and uh, Coach Norvell have there, just to let him throw the ball downfield. He, he's playing at such a high level. And then defensively, Florida State was just getting after Boston College. I mean, we saw 
uh, Jermaine Johnson look like an absolute freak of nature, getting after those guys, making all kinds of problems for Phil. Boston College surged late, just wasn't enough to get it done. I was surprised by this result. I thought BC was going to take care of business. That being said, I do think that ever since Phil Dracovic has been back, we've been talking about, about BC like they've beaten good teams and they haven't. That's the key. <laughs> and look, we love Phil Dracovic. He was on the pod. Go listen to it. But they beat a Virginia Tech team that is basically dead. And they beat a Georgia Tech team that is basically dead. So they hadn't played a team that was playing for something, you know? And Florida State is and was. And they're now one win away from bowl eligibility. And Florida is more than dead. Florida's like underground and has been buried for years. I mean, they're done. So Florida State's be looking careful. really good be for careful. bowl eligibility. I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. You get what I'm saying. Florida's I'm just done. saying, please don't, Florida State, don't lose after we said all that, please. Well, that's true. I don't think they will. I, I think this was a test for BC that they had not faced the past couple of weeks. And... So maybe it shouldn't have been as surprising, but the fact that they couldn't move the ball through the air and the O-line really struggled, those are concerns for BC that you carry into next week against White. That's right. And I think really the biggest um, you know thing that was so difficult for them on defense was just the fact that there was such a threat for the quarterback to run the ball. I mean, you, you look at when they played Louisville, Louisville absolutely destroys them, and it's the same thing. They, they have a guy that can take off at any time and run the football. So I think that now they're going against Wake. Wake doesn't necessarily have that. Sam Hartman can certainly run the ball, but not like those two can. I think we see that defense get back, locked in, and have a much better performance. I think it will be better. I still think Wake beats Boston College. I'll, I'll go oh, on you're record You're already with giving that. us your picks. Oh, my gosh. It's a week That's early. what I think I right now. You. Right now. Could change. <laughs> I said what I said. I said yeah. what I said. I hear Listen you. Listen up. <laughs> It, but that was still a very interesting result. I did not expect that. But good for you, Florida State. To, to become bowl eligible in a season like this where you started 0-4, that's unbelievable what they're going to be able to do. And I think it will go a long way moving forward in building their culture. Mac, we have kind of a, a boring game, maybe two boring-ish games. And then we'll finish with NC State. But Georgia Tech-Notre Dame, bleh. That was really rough. That was really rough. Maybe we're on a fade Georgia Tech train at this point. And UNC Wofford, you know, we we saw a little bit with there. But let's start with Notre Dame Georgia Tech. Do you have any thoughts on that game, or do you just want to talk about UNC Wofford? I, I think what you said. I mean, fade Georgia Tech, especially seeing how they're playing the uh, yeah the number one team in the country that's curb stomped everybody. I, I think it'd be very smart to to fade those guys and and. Is there a shot that they score? Like that, that's where we are in this game. And maybe if Jameer Gibbs does something spectacular, because he is still unbelievable, one of the most exciting players to watch in the ACC. But man, it, it has been a struggle so far for these guys. And it, it's not getting any easier playing Georgia, having them up next. Uh, and as you said, with, with North Carolina and Walford, a little bit underscoring of what I thought, yeah. you know, a little underwhelming. Um, also didn't like that we saw very limited action from Drake May and and didn't really get to see him throw the ball downfield or I, I don't know. It's not what I expected to see at all in this game and, and thought we'd see more of a, I don't know, this is what we have coming next year type deal. And I mean, maybe you can say that in the run game, but I don't know. It's not what I expected to see. Very bland. It was. Very bland. That being said, 
Clemson was very, very bland against UConn. They didn't have a young uh, prodigy to play or anything, but they were very bland. And then they also know, didn't have many people to play. You know, they, they didn't well, have yeah, many people to play. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Play. They didn't have a five-star sitting on the bench <laughs> right. that needed to get They're all time, hurt. They're you know? all hurt and IV'd up or, or casted up or something. It was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts to see Something. <laughs> that's very, very true, Mac. Okay, let's get to our final game here. A game that some thought perhaps NC State could be on upset alert. I'm really bummed for Syracuse because it looks like they're not going to make a bowl when they have Pittsburgh next week. And I'm bummed for us as a show because in the week that we had Phil Dracovic on and Sean Tucker, they go 0-2. We were on a roll before that. So our apologies to everyone involved at Syracuse and Boston College. It's our fault, and we take full responsibility. We, we went from being a positive to a negative very quickly. We, we yeah. started undefeated, and then we lost. Life comes at you fast. Back to back. It comes at you fast. But looking at this game, um, you know, really all about Devin Leary, the, the effectiveness that he has played with, the you know, just calm, cool, collect, smooth operator, as EJ Manuel likes to call him, just really hit his progressions, how quickly he can go, kind of very similar to Kenny Pickett. One, two, three, find the right guy. Um there were a couple of times I was very impressed with his arm strength, something that you know, we've seen in flashes, but not as on a consistent level. He made some just absolutely crazy throws in this game. Um, a concern moving forward, uh, which especially if you get to an ACC championship or a big bowl game, the run game has just been... They still can't do it. It's so weird because they can, but they don't. It, it's very weird, KG. Like I'll see flashes for... 19, 20, 17, 15 yards. And it's like, man, okay, there it is. That looks good. And then it's just one yard, negative yard, two yard, one yard. And it's like, what are we doing? What is happening? It's it's very strange to to look at and try to understand. But defense was great. Scored a couple of the, the Thomas brothers both scored in the same night. Uh, I, I don't think that's ever happened in NC State history, at least the same game. I, I think there was one instance of the same season. But what a cool thing to, to be able to do, and, and Military Appreciation Day, always cool to see that. Uh, and then our guy, Sean Tucker, set the single-season record. Really proud of him for being able to accomplish that. Uh, Way but, to go, but unfortunately, Sean. not quite enough. 101 yards was great. Probably needed about 260 uh, if he wanted to do something in this game and really change it. Do you think he was pleased with his performance? Did he tweet after the game? I haven't seen a tweet yet, um, but I, I have to feel like he feels okay. I mean, 13 attempts, 105 yards, you're, you're feeling pretty yeah, good about that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. He's still an absolute baller. And who knows? Syracuse could upset Pitt. Crazier things have happened in the ACC, especially when you know you're fighting for bowl eligibility and Pitt doesn't have much left to play for, except for maybe Kenny Pickett's Heisman hopes and a 10-win season. So, Which is very important. It'll be interesting. <laughs> oh, no, very, very important. I completely agree. Mac, you want to give the people, don't give it away, but you want to give the people a little hint about who our special guest is going to be on Wednesday's episode. I'll give a hint that a lot of people will get, some people might get, and some people will not get. The guest that we have coming <laughs> the, <laughs> the Wednesday threw the ugliest touchdown pass I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life, and I'm going to ask them about it. And we're going to find out. Them. <laughs> and that's all I'm giving you. Now, if you know, you know. That's a if great If you don't hint. know, you didn't watch enough football. Figure it out. <laughs> if you know, you know. That's I like right. that tease, Mac. Well that's done. Right. Thank you. you Pumpkin know, I try pie my best. for life. 
Uh, okay, that's where this episode is going to end. I do have to give a shout out to Kenny Pickett, single season record holder at Pitt. Broke that record. Devin Leary is our next kind of season record holder. He needs three touchdowns to tie to tie Philip Rivers. If he goes to four, it's all by himself. And could you imagine doing it in that game in a potential game on Friday night that could get you in to the ACC championship? They're going to need him big time. I don't think there's any question about it. But guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.